Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hi, this is Chris Kirk with the Wild Blue Podcast. Thanks for listening. I am uh, flying a little solo this month, but I have a uh, kind of a neat project that I wanted to share with everyone that might actually take three to four months. Uh, and I'm hoping it will be interesting, especially to those of you that are airplane owners or would be airplane owners. Uh, but before we get into that, I would like to uh, to thank my uh, marketing director, Tabitha, and her husband, Grant, for putting these podcasts together. They do a fantastic job. She does a wonderful job with all of our marketing and social media related stuff. And so, by the way, uh, one way you can thank her is to uh, make sure you share this podcast, if you would, please. Um, let everybody that you know know about it, especially if you're enjoying it. Um, but uh, what I wanted to go through this week, or this month, and then also for the coming months, is, um, is a project that I'm facing with our airplane, uh, which is a, uh, a 1994 Piper Saratoga. It's a Saratoga 2HP, so it's the latest model of the Saratoga before they discontinued them in 2008. And um, 9-4 Tango Fox is the uh, the in number. It's owned by uh, the company, but it's uh, we use it for company a lot of company business. And we also uh, use it with our, our family. It's a you know if you're used to flying a six seater, you know how wonderful a six seat airplane can be just for its flexibility uh, and utility. So um, we had the opportunity to buy this airplane just about three years ago from a, uh, a customer, actually, who was uh, going to broker the airplane with us. And then uh, I went up to see the airplane, and, and it's a pretty unique airplane. Uh, everybody, of course, thinks that their airplane's unique, and they all are to, uh, you know, to some extent. This one, uh, now, this was in 2019 uh, when I got up there to see the airplane. Bear in mind, it's a 1994 model. It had 330 total hours on it, uh, 330. And um, that, uh, that time was flown primarily in the first eight or 10 years of its life. And then it sat for quite a while. And then the owner uh, decided that, uh, you know, because of life issues, and he realized he just, you know, shouldn't be sitting there. He, uh, he had it annualed and had it uh, brought back up to airworthy standards and wanted to sell it. And so I saw the airplane and, and talked with him at length. And my wife and I talked with uh, each other at length about a uh, kind of an offer that we would be prepared to make him, uh, taking into account the fact that uh, even though we were going to do a pre-purchase inspection, we did not expect that engine to uh, last up to anywhere near TBO. Uh, you know, it had 330 hours on it. So our, our pre-purchase inspection showed that, uh, you know, there was some pitting in the cylinder walls. Uh, we took a look at the cam. The cam looked great. Um, and everything else uh, actually uh, looked quite good. Uh, remarkably, the hoses, the rubber, the seals and on the airplane were in, in fantastic shape. It's, it's really like a museum piece. Everyone that sees it is amazed at, at how knew the airplane looks. So, uh, you know, there was just a lot of things that we knew over the coming years would need to be done to the airplane uh, to get it back up to airworthy standards, uh, at least, to, you know, to, to not necessarily airworthy standards, but, you know, th things are just going to need to be done because they hadn't been done in a long time. So some of the first things we did, we added LED lights, uh, we had to replace the, um, the engine mount, uh, 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 rubber mounts because they were sagging, you know, they were old. We placed a bunch of the uh, oil hoses. 
Uh, we pulled the fuel tanks and did uh, corrosion inspections on the wing spar. Um, brought the air conditioner back up to speed, which those of you who have air conditioned airplanes know that that's no small feat, especially on the pocketbook. And um, so a lot of a lot of those little things that uh, that we did and uh, continue to do over the next couple of annuals. Well, here we are faced with our third annual, and earlier this year, uh, the airplane, the engine, started making a little bit of metal. I noticed it both on the um, the oil analysis, and then also on uh, when I would cut the filter open. I do my own oil changes. I, it's just something I kind of enjoy. It gets me out of the office and, and kind of gets my mind on uh, other things. It gives me a break. And so I uh, started watching those, sent pictures to my mechanic, and uh, talked with uh, him, and, and uh, also talked with an engine shop about it. And we were all in agreement that uh, the engine was okay to continue operating but we were just going to watch it really close and shorten the oil intervals. You know, and by the way, I'm one of those guys who who uses fairly short oil intervals anyway. When we first bought the airplane, we were running 10-hour oil intervals uh, because the engine had been sitting for a while. And then we would uh, slowly lengthen it up. And I got up to where I would go up to 30 hours, but I've never let it go over 30 hours using cam guard as well. Uh, but it's... Um, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that we're, we're watching the engine carefully. So anyway, it started making a little bit of oil and that a little bit of uh, uh, metal rather. And so that got us really kind of thinking on, on what we're going to do. So that's kind of the background um, on that airplane. And uh, and again, it's just a wonderful airplane. We have no intention of selling the airplane because uh, we, we just get a lot of use out of it. And we, we, we love it. And I am super blessed because my wife uh, loves to fly. And uh, those of you that are married know how important it is to have a spouse that's <clears throat> enrolled in the program, so to speak. And, and they're, they're a, a supporter of it because it's hard to uh, justify having it without that other person who likes to go fly with you, likes to travel around the country. And, uh, you know, we don't do much of the $100 hamburger thing. You know, it's, it's a cross-country machine. So it's been, um, you know, we, we purchased it in Seattle. We live in Kansas City. We've had it in the East Coast several different times uh, down the Gulf Coast. Uh, I've had it all over, and so it's just an absolute pleasure of an airplane to fly, and it's super comfortable for the family as well. So, um, so that's again just a little bit of the airplane, but you know now we're looking at having to do this uh, some work on the engine, and how does that, um, you know, how's that going to play out? So I thought, you know, I, I'm going to share this process as we go through it, and it's probably going to be the next four or five. Uh, I hope not six, but you know. Uh, in today's world, we don't know. Uh, six months uh, before we get the airplane back. And, um, you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts. But I, I, let me give you some philosophies, my philosophies on maintenance and how I'm kind of approaching this. So, um, first off, I'm a big believer in maintenance. If you're one of those people that tells me you, you know, you got a $1,500 or $2,000 annual, you're not impressing me. Uh, there's no way on an airplane, most airplanes, much less an airplane of this caliber that you're going to get uh, anything done for that price. That's a that's a pencil-whipped annual. There's just no two ways about it. Um, so I'm a big believer in spending the money, uh, but I'm, I'm also very active in, in what gets done. And so sometimes I'll have service bulletins brought up to speed, even though I don't need to. Um, if I think that it's an important service bulletin, especially one that looks like it may lead to an AD down the road. So um, I'm a big believer in spending that money, but we also set money aside monthly. 
And, uh, you know, I would encourage you and you probably already do anyway to, to do that. We, you know, I use a spreadsheet and I set aside money for both fixed expenses, which include um, just the annual basic cost itself, um, insurance, we have property tax here in Missouri, um, that kind of thing. Uh, and then the, 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 the ongoing expenses or the hourly expenses, we set aside money for the engine and prop reserve so that they can be overhauled and we'll have a bank of money there. I let that build up a little bit and I throw it into an index fund and just let it sit there. And then, uh, you know, also for, for things like cleaning and for um, oil and things that are just, you know, things that you use over and over again. And so those are those are the kind of things. So we've got a, you know, we've got that extra account of money every month. I, I'm very diligent about setting that money aside because I don't want to be surprised. And then if I think something's going to cost a little bit more down the road, I'll throw a little bit extra in there, here and there. So, um, so that's kind of my my philosophy on on money and spending uh, the money on the airplane. I'm actually using a mechanic uh, down in uh, Oklahoma. Uh, he's a gentleman that I, uh, I put a lot of trust and faith in, and his he's got a very good shop. Uh, he's in Enid, Oklahoma, Ren Aviation. And um, and Mike uh, Mike shoots me straight. He always has. And so when we bought the airplane, he was my first guy to talk to about, you know, what are we getting into with this airplane that's been sitting for a while? Uh, I also use a, several different very good local mechanics, but uh, for the for the big stuff, I take it down to Mike, uh, which you know is about an hour and ten minute, hour and fifteen minute flight from where we are. And so, uh, and I got you know I'm a, I'm a pretty loyal guy when it comes to folks that are you know helping me with the airplane, and, and Mike's been there with me uh, every step of the way. And so you know even though it's a little bit of a burden to take it down, um, it's it's well worth it in in my mind. Uh, I'm also one of those folks that uh, I don't put hardly any credence into, um, you know, the internet keyboard experts. So you, know, you can go to the forums, uh, whatever make and model forum you look at, and there's going to be you know any number of folks that are more than happy to tell you their, um, you know, their perspective, their opinion. I don't pay much attention to those people. I found I found some of the worst advice ever to be on some of those forums. And, you know, sometimes somebody will, will spout out some bad advice, somebody else will pick it up, and then all of a sudden it becomes almost uh, an SOP, a standard operating procedure, and I'm just sitting there shaking my head. Not only in the way they maintain their airplanes, but the way they fly them. <laughs> Frankly, I'm surprised the feds don't get involved in some of those forums, because there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for people that post just dumb, dumb stuff uh, in the way they maintain their planes or the way they fly them. So I don't I don't uh, pay much attention to those people. What I do look for though is I do look for good mentors and people that I can trust and people that are knowledgeable, people that have been around the block, and they're, they're going to shoot me straight. They're not going to they're not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, they're just going to tell me, hey, this is this is what needs to be done, and that I can trust. And so uh, fortunately, I've found some of those people, and would encourage you to do the same thing as well. Um, and so you know, consequently, because of my my philosophy on this. Uh, my first annual on the airplane, I think, ran us about $14,000. Now, keep in mind, we spent several thousand bucks upgrading LED landing lights, uh, LED lights outside all the way around. And uh, the second annual, I think, came in at 10. Uh, so <clears throat> here's where we are on this one. Uh, this one here, I think, is going to cost us about 60. And that is no small chump change. That is, uh, you know, that's something we had to swallow hard at and look at very carefully. But... Um, 
you know, we're looking at on this engine because it only has 600 and what, I'm trying to think 660 hours on it right now. We are looking at only doing an IRAN. So inspect and repair as necessary is what IRAN stands for. We're not doing a full overhaul uh, unless they say that it needs one. Partially because the airplane has such a low total time on it and so low hours and that we plan on keeping the airplane. I don't see the value in overhauling a 660 hour engine if it doesn't need it. But if it if they open the air, the engine up uh, and then it does need it, then then we're going to you know have to switch gears and look at doing the full overhaul. But with the engine making the metal, I was telling Mike the other day when I, I dropped the airplane off just day before yesterday with him. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm, I'm recording this on a Saturday morning and, and he told me they were probably pulling the engine this weekend. Um, with the air, with it making metal, we talked about maybe pulling cylinders kind of on a onesie twosie basis, looking at them, overhauling, because I think uh, we, we think we know where the metal's coming from. But at the end of the day, I looked at it and said, you know what? Being in this business and 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 talking with so many different clients and so many different maintenance folks and owning airplanes and uh, you know going the onesie twosie route of replacing cylinders seems silly because we can do it a couple hundred hours down the the road another one's going to pop up and then another one and the airplane's going to be constantly in maintenance so. Being as an airplane that we fly, uh, I fly my family in, I fly customers in, uh, friends in, I want to make sure that I know what's going on inside that engine. So we're going to do the IRAN. We're using uh, Barrett uh, Precision Engines. or They are in Tulsa. They do a lot of uh, high performance, uh, very tight tolerance um, uh, engines for a lot of airshow performers as well. And so they have a very good reputation as being someone who uh, has, puts a puts a strong and kind of a critical eye on the engine, but they, they really turn out a great product. So spoke with several um, over time, but uh, and, and going with Mike's advice as well, um, we're going with Barrett to do the IRAN on it. So the IRAN is gonna come back with uh, new cylinders, assuming we don't need to overhaul. Um, we, we're probably looking at replacing the camshaft. Um, and so all said and done when it's when it's done, and I'll share those details with you once we get uh, the engine opened up. And, and I'm thinking maybe it'll actually be opened up by the end of next week that uh, I'll share those details with you and, and see where we are. But all said and done, I think on the IRAN, it's going to run us about 30,000. Now, on this engine, it's a uh, Lycoming IO540, 300 horsepower. It is uh, most of the quotes that I got to uh, to do a full overhaul were in the sixty dollars to $65,000 range. So you can kind of do your math and, and see my thinking there on not doing the full overhaul. The other factor, really the weight heavy, is that uh, Lycoming is way behind on shipping cylinders to uh, other you know other shops. I think they're covering basically the engines that they make, but they I've been told that we can expect to wait a year or more for new cylinders, and I really just dislike the thought of overhauling an engine and then putting on used cylinders and overhauled cylinders. If I was going to do that, I would want new cylinders on it. So we're going to overhaul the existing cylinders on this IRAN. Hopefully, they'll get us up to TBO, and then we'll essentially get a top overhaul out of it. But more importantly, beyond the top, you know, they're looking at everything in the engine, and um, you know, we'll get a, a, a clean bill of health one way or the other on it. 
So that's what we're doing with the engine. Uh, now the prop was also an original prop. So, you know, um, part 91, there's no required time interval to, to, to overhaul, whether it be a calendar time or an hourly limit. A lot of people think that there, are, there is, but there's not. And so a lot of props, now this one included, was a 2,400-hour, seven-year prop. And so if you're operating anything other than Part 91, then you'd have to abide by those numbers. Well, we're nowhere near 2,400 hours, but we're way past the seven years. But the prop's been working great. Uh, no, um, no issues, no leaking. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been working very well. But that being said, you know, it is going on. It's a 28-year-old prop. So with the engine, we're having the prop sent out and having it overhauled as well. So the next item we're going to do is I wanted to replace the starter. If you have an IO540, especially on a, on a Saratoga, you tend to, you, you know that sometimes, especially during hot starts, these engines are a little finicky. They're a little cranky. Uh, and so um, I'm going to put a Skytech starter on it for two reasons. Number one, it'll, it'll recoup a little bit of useful load. And then number two, it, um, it cranks a lot faster and uh, does a little bit less wear and tear on, on the engine. So uh, we're doing the Skytech starter. And then uh, the final item that we have settled on, uh, at least initially to do with the airplane, is if it's getting the engine done, I want to have a good engine monitor in there. You know, the airplane is equipped essentially the way it was when it came out of the factory in 94. And so uh, while the previous owner, the original owner, basically had everything you could put on that airplane at the time. I mean, dual vacuums, it's got uh, uh, electric attitude indicator backup, it's got co-pilot's instruments, it's got a radar altimeter, it's air conditioned, you know, the whole nine yards there. It's still just working with one EGT, one manifold, you know, manifold pressure gauge, uh, fuel flow gauge, uh, one CHT, cylinder head temperature, you know, and, and the cylinder head temperature and the, the EGT, those only come off of one cylinder. So I'm kind of in the blind on what's going on on the other five. So I thought it was worthwhile to put in a good um, engine monitoring or management system so we can really track these things digitally. I'm pretty good about tracking them on a spreadsheet. I write down parameters almost every time I fly, but you know that's once a flight as opposed to once every couple of seconds that it's being tracked. And so, um, Looking around at Oshkosh and, and for the last couple of years, just looking at different systems and, and so forth. Also with the thought that down the road, we'll probably upgrade the panel to maybe a G500 panel. I wanted to, I decided to go with a Garmin product. So we're, we're going with the GI275. Those are the round dial that plug in right into the existing round hole uh, of your instrument panel. And, but we're going with your EIS, their engine indicating system. And so uh, we're doing fuel senders on it as well. So I want the full, the, the full Monty, if you will, on that. Uh, but we're going with the full um, installation on that. And then that way it will integrate well. I've got a Garmin 375 in there that, that's GPS and, and a transponder with ADSB, And it'll integrate with that as well. And, and I kind of like the idea of all my components um, being able to talk to each other and minimize troubleshooting uh, when I'm flying the airplanes, when I, I I I spend money on the airplane so that I can go out and fly it reliably. If I I've known too many people that nickel and dime things, and then they're also the same ones that complain to me because their plane breaks down somewhere else. I I don't like dealing with that.
So anyway, going with the the, uh, the 275 option, it's touchscreen. You know, it's got tons of features. Look it up uh, on the web. You know, get on Garmin's website uh, for their EIS system. I'm going with the single, the single one. We don't need two on this airplane. Some people do, but I, we don't really need it. Whatever I have is going to be loads better than what I have now. Um, but again, I'm looking to the future and something that I can keep for quite some time. So uh, that's the that's the final item in the puzzle. But we also have some things that uh, I gave Mike that are kind of um, if depending on how the airplane comes back or the engine comes back from the shop and what money needs to be spent. If it's just a simple Iran and we're able to keep that budget to about thirty thousand or so, then um, uh, we're going to put on uh, a new alternator. We're going to I'm going to overhaul the uh, hydraulic power pack for the landing gear. Um, and I'm trying to think. We were talking about electronic ignition. I'm not absolutely sold on the single electronic ignition yet, but so I'm going to do a little more research on that. Uh, and then, of course, just getting continuing with service bulletin updates and, and everything on the airplane. So all said and done, if we if we need to um, only do the IRAN, then you know we're we're looking at between fifty and sixty thousand dollars on this annual. So again, it's a big gulp. Um, and uh, you know, I gave I gave Mike a pretty hefty check the other day to get started, but uh, you know, it's it's the reality of being an aircraft owner, and I want to do it the right way. Um, I don't I, I you know, unfortunately I'm not an A and P. Um, I don't have time to do that kind of stuff. A lot of it myself, so I'm, I'm looking for somebody that like Mike that can that I can trust and that will do it the right way. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. So what I'm hoping to do over the next couple of months is as we learn how how things are going, uh, especially with the Iran, that's gonna be the, the top of the list. As we learn how that's going, then we'll be able to decide on what of those other items do we want to add to the to-do list while the plane is in there. Uh, the plane has a, a the annual inspection is in, in September, so you know it expires expired yesterday. Um, I've always kind of wanted to roll this inspection into January February anyway when the poor flying months are around, so that I'm not taking out my flying in in September and October because here in the Midwest September and October are just some of the absolute best months to go flying, and I it just kills me to have my airplane down when I can't get out there and and uh, and use it. So it's not such a bad thing. I'm hoping the supply chain issues and things like that don't impact us too bad, but I know that they will to some degree. And so we're really prepared for the plane to be down for, for a while. But again, having an advocate, someone there that is um, pushing to you know find out the, the best options for the airplane and, and looks around and shops around for the parts, uh, for, especially for availability, not so much for cost, that's important of course, but for availability, it's one thing to save, you know, I can save a thousand bucks, but if I have to wait three months to get my airplane, it's that's not worth it. So um, looking for that kind of thing. And then, I'll, then me, myself, staying very plugged in to the situation, you know, and uh, as an airplane owner, you know how it is. You, you kind of temper that with um, you. Uh, you want to you want to keep plugged in with your airplane, but you also have to kind of stay out of the mechanics way to some degree. Uh, they are running a business, even though this may be your hobby. Uh, they're in business to make money and uh, it's not their hobby. So, um, you know, keep that in mind, especially when you, when you go work with a mechanic, that's, uh, that's one of those things that to me is uh, kind of a poor taste when we get, 
the general aviation guys that go and, and just work over their mechanics for the lowest rate, the cheapest this, the cheapest that, those folks wear me out. And I know that they wear those mechanics out a lot and they're not real welcome. I had a client not too long ago, that uh, wonderful gentleman, uh, he actually would give his mechanic more money when the year, when the annual was done. He'd been using him for a number of years. And he's like, you know what? He gets when I do that. He gets my my job done on time. Sometimes early. He's he's straight with me. I don't have to deal with it, and that's worth a little bit extra. And I thought that was an interesting perspective. So as we get into um, uh, the next podcast, I'm hoping to have a little bit more information for you. And if you want to, you know, call and and uh, just visit with me about uh, your airplane. Or just you know what we're thinking on this, and and I'm going to share numbers with you too. So I'll, I'll share numbers, and just that way you can you can see just at least from this one opportunity or this one opportunity, but this one uh, example, what it really looks like and what kind of costs are are going to be out there. Timelines, you know, some of the headaches that might might face. I, I'm a realist. I know that it's not going to be uh, you know all. Um, sunshine and unicorns. I know that there's going to be issues, but I'm also a big believer in just super strong communications. And I think 95% of, of uh, challenges we face can be overcome by just good, clear communication. So I'm anxious to go down that road and, and see how this goes. So anyway, again, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Chris Kirk. It's Wild Blue Aircraft Sales. Please be sure to uh, subscribe and share. And uh, we really appreciate uh, you, you, you subscribing as well. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.